Good morning, brothers and sisters. Did you hear what Drew shared in his devotional? God finds pleasure in us. I was sitting there, it brought, almost brought tears to my eyes. Those who trust him, he's pleased with us. Sometimes I get up here and I feel pressure to perform or keep your attention or bring you something, but I don't. It's God. Then that is why we're gathered here this morning. Praise God. I trust you are blessed and excited to worship God in spirit and in truth. Before I, I jump in this morning, I did want to bring to your attention, there are three birthdays this week, and there's a common, greatest common factor or a common number in all three of them, and that is the number five. So I will let you do the figuring from there. I think if I calculated correctly, number five is a big number for all three. Take out your Christian hymnals and turn to number 425. Am I a soldier of the cross? And before we jump into 1 Peter, the next section that is before us to dig into and learn, I would like to sing verses 1, 4, and 6. Verses 1, 4, and 6. So think about the words as we sing together. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb, and shall I fear to know his cause, or blush to speak his name? Sure, I must fight if I would reign, increase my courage. We're going to step back in time to start off this morning as we think before we jump into 1 Peter. Come with me around a campfire. There was a group of people gathered around. I don't think they knew each other, but there was a big trial happening inside. And around this campfire, there was random people gathered talking about their life, about the big trial that was happening. And a young maid takes a look at a young man, and he, she says, Excuse me, sir, you're one of them. And Peter said, No, I don't even know that man who's inside. Time goes on, they keep discussing things, still around the campfire, this time a young man walks up and says, Hey, you, 
You look like one of them. No, no, no. I don't know. I don't know the man. I am not one of them. The group keeps talking. And I can almost imagine the desperation in Peter's voice at this time. The third time, do you know what he says? He says, I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh. And just like that, what happened? The cock crew. Hmm. And at that moment, it hit Peter. The words that Jesus had told him, you're going to deny me three times. Let's fast forward about 30 years to A.D. 64. Anybody know who was the ruler of Rome at the time? Nero, right on. Nero was in control. And he had a thirst for power. And he had some for resources at his fingertips to rebuild Rome. And he got the brilliant idea, why don't I just set it on fire so it can burn down and I can build it up how I want. So it is said that he commanded his soldiers to go out and start a fire. And he went to a tower and he pretty much went up there and laughed as he saw Rome burn. People's lives, houses, lost. In response to this, of course, the people of Rome reacted. And they didn't know what to do, or they responded in retaliation to the king. And Nero quickly saw what was coming. So he played some cards and quickly turned the opposition to the Christians. And he blamed the Christians for starting this fire. He went even further to get the Christians and he put them on lampposts and lit their bodies around the city. It was at this time that it is believed that Peter penned the words to the chapter we are about to read. Now... I said the story of Peter at the campfire. Let's fast forward, I don't know how many more years, but Peter is caught. He's imprisoned, and he is sentenced to die. Does anybody know how he died? Crucified, upside down. The same man who denied Jesus three times gets to his death, and instead of being crucified like normal, he says, no, I am not worthy to be crucified the same way Jesus was. Turn me upside down. Inflict more pain upon me. The same man who denied him three times. There was a change, and it was a powerful change that we saw in him. Martyr's Mirror recounts the story, and it says of Peter, he was the boldest, I had to chuckle at this, he was the boldest in offerings, in offering to suffer with Christ, but the weakest when the conflict began, <laughs> meaning his bark was worse than his bite. But he got to the end of the life, his life, and he put his actions where his mouth was. And brothers and sisters, I say that those stories to bring you 
to the place, the passage that we are ready to, sh- to look at this morning. And that is 1 Peter 4, verse 12 to 19. You may turn there with me. Little uh, review. In a couple weeks, school's about to start. So, review time. What is the theme as we're going through 1 Peter? Living stones, that was one of them. Lively hope. We have a lively hope. That is what Peter is trying to portray, and we saw that in the first chapter. We have a lively hope in Jesus. We're lost, yet in him we're saved, and a response to that is that of rejoicing. We talked about a holy life and a desire for the word to live that holy life. We talked about living stones. We have purpose. We talked about the life of a stranger. It brings submission. This is all in response to the lively hope that we have. We're not dead. We are alive. There is a lively hope. We talked about the married life and the legacy that we leave. We talked about suffering for doing well. Hmm. Fearing God and not man. The, last, uh, the beginning of chapter 4 talked about the grace that we receive and being stewards of that grace, of the manifold grace of God. This morning I've entitled the message, Facts of Fire. And I want us to know the facts of fire so we rejoice in suffering. We're going to look at some facts about suffering, or in this, uh, today, this morning I'm going to call it fire. And as we look at those facts, I want our response to be that of rejoicing in the midst of the fire and the suffering that we may face. Follow along as we read 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that... When his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that the judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let him that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Heavenly Father, it's with humble hearts we bow before you. And as we dig into the passage this morning, may you show us truths about the fire and suffering that we as Christians are called to face. Draw us to you. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you like suffering or fire? I gave the story of the campfire, and if 
uh, at Tristan and Stacy's wedding on Friday, Brian wonderfully illustrated uh, a, a campfire, and he applied that to married life. But sitting around a fire can be enjoyable. But one thing about a fire is it's hot. And Peter starts off this section, he says, Beloved, remember as we're going through this, you're beloved. Peter is speaking on God's behalf, if I can say it that way. And he says, Beloved, you are loved. Don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial. The fiery trial here uh, is referring to a refining furnace. Gold is put into a fire and refined to perfect it, to purify it. That is the idea that is being portrayed. Don't get concerned with this fire that's going to try you and purify you as it's some strange thing. So we're talking about facts of fire. First of all, how do we face fire? Facing fire, when hard times come, when suffering comes, what is the first question that often, maybe I should say, what's the first question you ask? Why? Why me? And then you quickly try to decide, okay, why did this trial come? Did I make a mistake? Maybe it's financial, maybe it's your vehicle, maybe it's your house, whatever it may be. I often, okay, what made this problem come to me? Or if it's an illness, what did I do to deserve this? Or somebody mistreats you, what did I do to deserve this? Why? When we face trials, Peter says, don't think it's strange. It's normal. As a Christian, you will face opposition. You will face the fiery trial. So don't let your off-the-cuff response be why. Say, okay, here we go again. A fiery trial may mean that you're in the right place. It's normal. It's inevitable. When you get to a trial, face it. Don't start pitying yourself. Don't let it take you by surprise. Be ready for it. That is what a Christian is called to do. When you think of, in our our New Believers class this morning, we talked about non-resistance. So we talked about the army. Do you want to go out and volunteer for the army? If you were to volunteer to join the army, what would you expect? Obviously fighting. Isn't that what an army is for? Brothers and sisters, you have chosen to join the army of God. You are expected to fight. It's not abnormal to face the fiery trials. That is normal. Matthew 5, 44 to 45 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Brothers and sisters, God sends blessings. He sends curses on the just and the unjust. It's not abnormal to face the fiery trial. Face the fire is the first fact about it. 
And when we face it, instead of asking the question, why, what should we do? Rejoice. <laughs> I, can you imagine the Christians? Now remember, what is going on at the time when Peter sends out this letter? Christians are being lit on lampposts. And Peter says, rejoice. Excuse me, Peter. I think I would have made a personal trip to Peter's place to discuss this with him. But Peter says, rejoice. Brothers and sisters, rejoice when you face this fire. Change your perspective. Don't ask why, but face it with rejoicing. Why? Because you are partakers with Christ. Count it a privilege that you have been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. If you were to start a list of the sufferings that Christ faced, that Jesus faced coming to earth, we could go on and on. And our fiery trials that we face are so small in comparison to what he did. So rejoice that you can be counted worthy to face that. That when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. It's not only for the now, but it's also for the future. What's our human tendency when we face um, opposition or fire or suffering? I don't know about you, but I like to cast the blame. I like to figure out whose fault is this. And I quickly want to point fingers. When you face fire, don't look to see who you can blame, but rather rejoice that you are counted worthy to experience this for Christ. It's a blessing. When you face fire, it's a blessing. We get to suffer with Christ. And the rewards of suffering with Christ go far beyond the here and the now. It goes into the future. Back when I was a little, little boy, I don't know, maybe 11 or 12, my cousins and uncles, every Memorial Day, we would head up to Goldmine Bike Trail, and they would, the older ones, the able ones, would bike, I think it was 18 miles, something like that. So it was, it was a good, good old bike ride. And the ones who were not so able would drive vehicles to the end and bike back the other way and meet them. Well, at the ripe old age of, I don't know, 11 or 12, I thought I could knock this out myself. So I got on my little, I think it was a five-speed bike, questioning the, the wise, the wisdom in that choice. And we got on, and I started biking. And we biked. This is going great. About halfway, things started hurting, and muscles started burning. And I kept lagging and lagging. And my, I, I can't even remember to this day who it was, but there was one of my cousins or uncles uh, staying back with me, kind of bringing up the rear, making sure I was coming along. Finally, he said, you know what? I have a rope. Let me hook my, the rope to your bike, and I'm going to pull you along. And he kindly hooked up a rope to my bike, and we went off a little faster than I was going before. He saw something I was suffering in, and he chose to partake in that suffering with me. 
he was, in that case, maybe responsible for me. So this is maybe where the illustration breaks down a little bit. But in that moment, I felt that big cousin or uncle was taking part in the suffering with me. And I had a respect for him. And we were in this together. Brothers and sisters, when you face suffering and you realize that you get to partake with Christ, almost in a sense hooking that rope up with him, and you are facing this suffering, attacking the army of Satan, the kingdom of Satan, together, there's power in that. Remember, it's a blessing to partake in the suffering with Christ to combat the army of Satan. It's a blessing. And the power that was given to me through that rope was amazing. When we connect with Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit is given to you in suffering, and you are able to do things that we cannot even talk about. The power of God will be in you. Facing fire. We're talking about facts of fire. Second point, we have fake fire in verse 15. Now, not all pain is uh, Christian suffering. If we would allot every hard thing we face, oh my, to suffering, oh yes, I'm suffering for Christ. I don't think, I know that is not the way God intended. Verse 15, but, God, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer. Obviously, the murderer sitting in jail, the person who does wrong and is, has consequences for it. The thief, he gets caught. The suffering they face in response to their choices is not actual suffering. That is choices that they made that they have to deal with the consequences Brothers and sisters, there is a fake fire. Not all suffering you face is partnering with Christ or the fiery trial. And our tendency is to quickly fall into those fake fires. Oh, I'm suffering for the cause of Christ. Those fake fires are often personal things, personal hurts. Fiery trial for Christ is suffering for things that don't even pertain to us, but pertain to the kingdom of God. Decipher that. And an interesting thing here, Peter says, he's, what he, in the list of fake fires, the murderers, the thieves, the evildoers, don't suffer like they do. That's, that's not right. Busybodies, he throws in there too. Caring about other people's biz, uh, business. So when we think of a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, I kind of think, no, that's not me. But then he brings in a practical, a busybody. It's easy to be caught up in other people's affairs. Suffering because of that is not the fiery trial that Peter is talking about. There is a fake fire. Don't be deceived. Suffering for Christ isn't always what we think. So when you suffer to prove your own point. There's not blessing in that. But when you suffer for the cause of Christ, that is the real fiery trial. So we talked about facing the fire. We see that there is a fake fire that is a human tendency. Next of all, the fiery trial is not our own, but it is God's fire. A fact of fire, it is God's. 
Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. It's not about you. Too many times in the midst of suffering or hardships, we think about ourselves. It's not about you. The fiery trials, the sufferings that we face is about God. Take the focus off ourselves and put it on God. Let's jump back to a time with the disciples and Jesus. They're walking along and they come to a blind man. And they see a blind man by the street. Do you remember what the disciples asked uh, Jesus? Right on. Did he do wrong? Why, Jesus? Why is that man blind? The first question they asked. They saw suffering and they responded with, why? How did Jesus respond? Go read it sometime in John 9. He says, no, it's not what he did. It was for the glory of God. Wow. And he says, you know what, disciples? I'm here to be about my father's business. It's not about me. It's about God. And brothers and sisters, if we can have that focus, it is God's fire. It is not yours. When the midst of, when suffering comes up, don't be quick to say why. Maybe instead say what? What is God? How is God going to be glorified through this? And Jesus showed the disciples in that moment that it was not about what he did or why he is blind, but who is going to receive the glory for it? Paul speaks of a thorn in his flesh to keep him humble. That suffering that he was experiencing was for God's glory, to keep him in his proper place. Maybe suffering that we face is to keep us in our proper place. Don't ask why, ask what. In an interesting uh, thought I heard about suffering is so many times we ask why, maybe in a school shooting or a mass incident, why did God allow this to happen? Who do they ask to come speak to those people in a hospital, you know, when family members are experiencing suffering? Who do they ask to come speak? Do they ask the atheists? Can you imagine an atheist show up? Uh, there is no God. This just happens. Don't worry. It happens to everybody. What for comfort does that give? Instead, they ask the Christians to show up and say, this is awful that happened, but God is still in control. You see, God is behind it. Even everybody, most people out there, hidden, everybody, hidden deep inside of themselves, has a recognition of God. And in the midst of suffering, they say, God, why'd you do this? They're recognizing there's a God. That's huge. And in the midst of suffering, instead of saying, why did this happen? Say, what? How is God going to receive the glory? We're looking at facts of fire, God's fire, the fiery trials that we face. Moving on to verse 17 and 18. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So, did you ever ask a question, when is this ever going to end? Maybe it's the rat race of life. Maybe it's a, some suffering or the things keep coming on each other. One day, a whole bunch of bad things hit. When is this ever going to end? Brothers and sisters, there is a time when the fiery trial, trials will end. 
They will. I promise you that. And if we are faithful in the fire, we will reach the end. And Peter poses the question here, coming to that judgment, when the trial, when the fiery trial is going to end, the judgment's going to begin at the house of God with the Christians. And if it begin with them, what is going to be the end of those who are not Christians? And he goes on to say, verse 18, this is where it really hits. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, if they just so make it, what in the world is going to be to those, what is going to happen to those who are not Christians, the ungodly, the unsaved? If I ask you to list off godly men from the Bible, what would, who would you say? List off a couple for me. Moses. Abraham was another one I thought of. Okay, so we list these godly men. When we think over their lives, did they mess up? <laughs> yeah. These were godly men that we look up to. They're in the Bible, they're for illustrations and models for us, yet they too failed. Brothers and sisters, just because we're a Christian doesn't mean we made it. We are scarcely going to make it. We still have to be vigilant. We have to be facing these fires, the fiery trials that come our way. And if the righteous just so make it, what is going to happen to the ungodly? So what I get out of this is take it seriously. Life is not a joke. The trials that we face should not just be, oh yeah, okay, that's just another trial. Take it seriously. The ungodly are careless. That is the difference between the godly and the ungodly in the face of fire. The ungodly are careless, just taking, taking it as it comes. The godly face the fire. And with these facts that we're talking about, address the fake fire. Realize that it's God's fire. Realize that the, there's a finality of fire. The fire will come to an end. Remember this, the easy way will lead to unending fire. Professional athletes do not get there just because. They practice and practice until their muscles are burning to get there. Brothers and sisters, face the fiery trial now because one day it will end. If we don't step up to the plate, for the army of God and face the opposition, whatever it may be. We could spend some time listing practical ways to do that. If we turn away and don't face that, we will be in unending fire. Don't let that be said of us, brothers and sisters. Let's be with the righteous, facing the fire. And our last fact of fire in verse 19 He ends on a good note. He says, let's have faith in fire. We can have faith in the midst of fire. Wherefore, let them that suffer, according to the will of God, the true fire, the, tri the, the fiery trials, commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. The fires you face recognize that God is in control. Have faith 
in the fire and commit. That word there means a continual process, a never-ending faith. Not asking why, but asking what when the fires come your way, when they come my way. Don't start pitying yourself. Instead say, how is God going to get the glory from this? Continually committing our souls to him, having faith that God is with us in the fire. What description does, God, does Peter use for God here? Creator. Hmm. If you want to be in the hands of anybody, I want to be in the hands of a creator who's going to create a way out. He did not use the word judge. And in response to fire opposition that comes our way, sometimes we just want a judge. But no, view God as a creator. He will create a way through the fire. All we have to do is have faith. Have faith in the fires that we face. He will provide everything we need. What do we learn about fires? Face the fires, the suffering that comes your way. Remember there's fake fire. Ask yourself, what are you suffering for? Remember that it's God's fire. It's not about you. Remember that the fire will come to an end. There's a finality to fire. And remember to have faith in the fire. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ, Jesus, shall suffer persecution. And I kind of feel at loss to even talk about suffering. Because I don't think we know, I know we don't know what suffering is. Compared to Christians around the world. But we need to be ready for the fire's that will come our way. So two things, two ways I, I kind of looked at this passage is be ready for persecution that I know will come. And secondly, we face, can I say, small fiery trials now? Small things that hurt? Be faithful in the small fires now. So when persecution comes your way, I call that the hard fire yet you will be ready to stand. The small trials that you face on a daily, weekly basis, apply these facts to those, and you will be ready to face the bigger fires that come. What does a fire need? Anybody hear the fire triangle? Three main things a fire needs. Can we get them? Air, oxygen, fuel, And something to start it. Heat. The match. You need something to burn. You need heat to get that ignited. And you need oxygen to keep that fire going. And a fourth part, they say, is a chemical reaction. Where do you view yourself in the fire? The fiery trials that come. Should we view ourselves as the oxygen? Should we view ourselves as the heat? give the heat to somebody? Should we view ourselves as the fuel? And this morning, I would like to pose the idea that we should view ourselves as the fuel to the fire. We are the ones offering ourselves to be consumed. We're the wood. We're the fuel to get the fire going. 
Jesus is the oxygen breathing into that fire. Jesus, why? Why are you breathing in? This fire is burning hot. The heat is the enemy, Satan, opposition coming in. And to me, that hit is a beautiful analogy. And if I view myself, oh sure, I will offer myself as fuel to the fire. That's powerful. Don't view yourself as the heat. And what happens if any of them's gone? If Jesus is out of the picture, if it's a fake fire, the fire's going to go out real quick. It's just going to be a quick flame and die. If there's not heat there, it's never going to get started. And if you don't offer yourself as fuel to the fire, it's just going to smoke and smolder. So, in the fiery trials that come, offer yourself as fuel. Say, God, you're in control. Relish the facts of fire that we talked about this morning. Let's go back to the campfire with Peter. As he wrote this, these couple verses, can you just feel the pain that's in him? As he's talking about facing these fiery trials, I almost guarantee he was thinking back to those moments when he denied Christ. When you're around that campfire and somebody looks at you and says, are you one of them? Maybe it's how you dress. Maybe it's how you act. Maybe it's a choice you made to stand up. Are you going to enter that fire? Or are you going to back away? And I can almost hear Peter's earnestness, face the fire. Have faith that God is in control. Three questions as we end this morning. Again, I'm going to give you a little time after the question to think about. Write down an answer if you need. Question number one. We talked about fake fire. Is there fake fire in your life? Number two, do you ask why or what in the midst of fire or suffering? Maybe you're in the midst of a fire now. Do you ask why or what in the midst of the fire? Question number three. Are you seeking to be the fuel to the fire? Are you seeking? Remember the facts of fire and rejoice that we get to suffer for the cause of Christ. That gives us purpose through the fire. Use the facts of fire to rejoice in the suffering. And again, pull out your Christian hymnals, turn to number 425. And I feel this song so beautifully portrays the idea of facing the fiery trial, remembering that it is God's fire, and being willing to lay ourselves before him. Let's sing verses 1, 2, 4, and 6. 1, 2, 4, and 6. Think about the words as we sing. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower? Must I be carried to the sky? 
Let's all stand for a closing prayer. Go face the fiery trials this week. It is for God. Count it a privilege to face those trials for Him. I am not going to be hanging around at the back uh, long. I have a little journey ahead of me uh, today. So bless you as you face the week. Go be a soldier for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow again before you and we, with grateful hearts, we say thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Peter and the model that he left for us. And in these clear words of calling us to suffer for your sake, may we do that humbly and boldly. May we face the fire. Help us not to turn away, but remember the facts of the fire as we face it. And remember, it's for your glory. It will come to an end. And help us to have faith in you through it all. Take, my brothers and sisters, take us this morning, dear God. Help us to be soldiers for you. Whatever we face this week, may we give you the glory and honor. Take us as we go from here. Bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.